All right, Four Oaks Church, it is Wednesday morning for you, but for Dr. Allison and I, it is still Sunday afternoon. Um, we've cornered Dr. Allison while he's here, um, and we want to just soak up all of his biblical theological wisdom while he and his lovely wife, Nora, are in town. And so many of you had an opportunity to uh, come out on this past Saturday for our Theology and Practice, the Book of Romans um, and Roman Catholicism. And so many questions came out of that time. And we didn't even have time to hardly dent them. And so we're using some of these um, devotionals this week to sort of backtrack and examine some of these issues. And we've been talking about some big picture things with Dr. Allison about the Reformation, about the nature of purgatory and indulgences and how we're to think about um, the visible church and its unity and how Catholics would think about that and Protestants think about that. But Greg, I thought um, this morning... Um, we would just take one at a time a few of these questions. And Great. so just understand there's no particular order to these, um, but I do think um, that you will find um, the answers super helpful. So obviously as Protestants, Greg, we, we believe that we are regenerated by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that is a gift of God that, you know, as John 3 says, the wind blows where mm -hmm. it may, so it is with the Spirit. How do Catholics believe that they receive the Holy Spirit? How, how does that happen? Uh, primarily, the reception of the Holy Spirit occurs at the Sacrament of Confirmation, which in the United States, uh, Catholic youth from six or seven years up to 16, 17 years old can participate in. That's when the fullness of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them uh, the sign of the sacrament of confirmation is the anointing of the forehead with oil, okay. which is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So a 12-year-old going through the sacrament of confirmation, anointed with oil, the bishop lays his hands on the 12-year-old, and then the 12-year-old Catholic youth receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit, is now considered fully on mission for God through the Roman Catholic Church. That does not mean that the Holy Spirit was inactive before that, okay. because in the sacrament of baptism, which is the cleansing from original sin and regeneration, obviously regeneration comes through, according to the Roman Catholic Church, uh, the sacrament of baptism and the Spirit who brings about the new birth through that sacrament. So the Spirit in baptism regenerates, uh, brings about the new birth, cleanses from original sin, but the fullness of the Spirit is poured out in the uh, sacrament of confirmation. Okay, so you mentioned on Saturday this nature, grace, interdependence, yeah, and that grace is actually not just symbolized right. by elements, but it's actually conferred. Yep, exactly. Um, infused, infused, conferred, okay. and infused. That's right. Exactly. So maybe just explain that just briefly one more time. That how that works. Catholics are actually then believing that when that oil is applied at confirmation, that that is that imparts the Holy Spirit. It's exactly right. So uh, at that point, uh, through the sacrament of baptism, uh, they've been cleansed from original sin, they've been regenerated, they're, they're now part of Christ and the Catholic Church. But if that's confirmation, that oil has been consecrated by the Catholic Church, so it's an element of nature, but it's not a mere element of nature, it's now consecrated so that it, it, it is capable of receiving and transmitting or conferring uh, the grace of God upon that 12-year-old. So that 12-year-old receives an infusion of grace 
by which his nature is changed. So I, I don't want us to think of grace in the Catholic Church as, as like a substance, but it is a transformative element. Okay. So that 12-year-old now, with the fullness of the Holy Spirit conferred by this sacrament, is now empowered to live as a soldier of God on mission. And, and so he, cooperating with this infused grace, engages uh, in good works. And the whole idea here is then he can be saved by collaborating with this infused grace, engaging in good works, ultimately to merit eternal life. Okay. So a second question someone had, it's kind of related to the sure. idea of sacrament. Are last rites a sacrament? Yes. Okay. So how does, um, how does that sacrament work, and what are the means of grace that are imparted through it? So it used, it's now called the anointing of the sick. Okay. It last rites before Vatican II, 1962 to 1965, last rites was almost exclusively conferred on people about to die. Okay. But the anointing of the sick is not just reserved for those on the verge of death, but anyone who is sick, seriously sick, going, going to go through a surgery operation, mm -hmm. they can ask the priest to come and administer the anointing of, with the, of the sick. Okay. So what this does is give grace primarily for the souls of the Catholic faithful to not fall into despair, okay. to continue to hope in God, and maybe, if God wills, also a healing of their body. Okay. That would be a secondary hope for result, but that's not necessary. The primary thing it overcomes despair and anguish and worry. I'm going to be, have an operation. I'm moving towards death. I'm, I'm so ultra concerned. So it lifts one's spirits. It gives hope. Uh, and, and so that's the effect of the anointing of the sick, which is uh, also conferred with, um, in uh, tandem with the Eucharist, which is called viaticum. It's grace for the rest of the journey as they pass from this life into the next life. Okay, so the so there is the the Eucharist. We know and we understand how that it infuses grace through yep. the bread and the wine. Is there a is there a sign for um, anointing of the sick? Is it with oil? It's is oil it exactly. And then also there actually should be three sacraments tied okay. together. So there's the anointing of the sick with oil. There is the Eucharist. So this is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. All that should be preceded by the sacrament of penance okay. to deal with any unconfessed mortal sin. Okay. So those three are brought together here. Um, penance. Penance, okay. yes. So, right? So as, again, think of someone, uh, a very serious surgery, maybe the odds are not great that they'll live through it, or they're, they're moving very quickly towards death. They need grace infused to, to step from one life into the other. Okay. but they have to be forgiven of any of their mortal sins, so penance, and then they want to receive, right? They should receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ um, for the last time. So all these three are put together. So if somebody who is sick in a hospital bed, for example, what would penance look like for them? Uh, the priest goes in, and he would go through the rite, the sacrament of penance. Okay. There would be um, a reading of Scripture. There would be a call to be contrite of one's sin. The priest would invite the a person to confess her sins okay. uh, one by one. Uh, he would listen to that confession. He would then absolve the person of her sins and then give her penance 
uh, which would be duties to carry out in a sense to render satisfaction. Mm -hmm. It could be, again, five Hail Marys, okay. five Our Fathers, she would pray, and then that would be complete. That would be the sacrament of penance for her. Okay, great. Um, that's very helpful. Um, one question, um, well, a couple questions came in when, as you were teaching about Mary, mm -hmm. Mariology, and that um, Catholics believe in her perpetual virginity. Yeah. Couple couple things related to that. What are we to think about the the references in Scripture where it seems to say Jesus had other siblings? Yeah. Um, number one. Number two. What, did, what do Catholics have a specific belief about about Joseph? Did he remain married to Mary? I mean, what was how do we how are we to even think about these things? So the siblings, we as Protestants would understand them to be brothers and sisters okay. um, of Jesus, or, or better, half brothers and yep, sisters, okay. right? Uh, because Jesus didn't have an earthly father, right. right? But they would be the fruit of Joseph and Mary's um, union. Okay. Uh, so we would consider them to be brothers and sisters. Right. Uh, Catholics would say they are cousins. Okay. So not. Uh, rel not related in a brother in, to sister, right. brother, okay. sister thing. So um, they, they would be uh, kinspeople, okay. right? Kinsmen, okay. kins, kinswomen. Um, what about Joseph? Um, yes, he remained married to Mary, okay. but through a gift of continence, okay. he was able to live with her in an upright way without ever consummating their marriage, never engaging in sexual intercourse with her. Okay. Uh, because she was to be ever virgin. Okay. Um, a couple more here. Um, do Roman Catholics believe that the original righteousness that was given to Adam and Eve, that that was taken away by God? Did that happen before the fall, after the fall? How did that work? Yeah, when Adam and Eve disobeyed, the prohibition, when they ate of the mm -hmm. fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, mm -hmm. so they rebelled. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, they lost that gift of original righteousness, which held right the, those passions and bodily desires in check, ruled over by reason and rationality. They lost that gift of original righteousness. So inside of them, right, they became topsy-turvy. Okay. They also lost the supernatural gift of immortality at original the fall. at the fall. Okay. So no longer would they live forever. The mm -hmm. gift of immortality is lost. Now they would die. Okay. So it was because of their rebellion, their disobedience, they then lost those supernatural gifts. Okay. Wow. Um, obviously, for many of us as Protestants without a Catholic background, a lot of this is um, can be almost like learning a whole nother language. It's a whole nother culture, isn't it? It yep. is. And so again, let me just commend to you, um, Greg, you've written two books on Roman mm -hmm. Catholicism. The first, um, what is the title of the Roman first Roman Catholic Theology and Practice and Evangelical Assessment, which is a walk through the catechism of the Catholic Church, section by section. After each section, I evaluate that uh, according to scripture and our evangelical theology. Okay. And the, and the book you've heard me mention, and I've read that book, Greg, yep. that you mentioned, and this is, is just equally excellent. Um, 40 questions about Roman Catholicism. And how did you choose the 40 questions? What was... 
Kriegel, the publisher, has a series of 40 questions okay. about okay. 40 questions about the law, 40 questions okay. about biblical interpretation, 40 questions about elders and deacons, and they asked me to write 40 questions about Roman Catholicism. And and this is excellent as well. And Thanks. so they're very Thanks. helpful. It just enunciates very clearly the, the issues and great in way. Guys, thanks for joining us, Four Oaks. Um, it's Wednesday. We'll be back here tomorrow, Thursday.